as we have been trying to teach the Word of God, probably the overarching reason of much of it is, is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Every one of us has the opportunity and the, the privilege of ministry. And uh, so you're vital as a person and your role is paramount to the kingdom. So today I want to talk about influence. Influence. And so we've got some passages of scripture that we'll just kind of uh, read and then try to uh, grasp some thoughts. You are the salt of the earth. If the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? What? What are you the salt of? The earth. So how is the earth going to be salted? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. We'll address that in the process of the message. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. When I call to remembrance, we're talking about influence, the genuine faith that is in you which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. You are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, Written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on the tablets of flesh. That is, of the heart. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Thank you. So is the reading of the word today. Father, thank you for your word. Now we ask you to bless it and to God, break it for us today in Jesus' name. Influence. 
Everybody has a sphere of influence. There is very little arena or area or time frame of your life that in which you are not somehow influencing or being influenced. You can take the little two, three, two and three-year-olds, put them together, and we'll see influence at work. And then as we graduate up through life, the, the importance of influence grows dramatically. And so as those scriptures that we read, I want you to think of them in that term. Influence. It's the ability to inspire or persuade others to take action. It's the capacity to have an effect on the character, the development, the behavior the choices and the decisions of someone. As believers, our aim should be to be a faithful presence within our society, humbly living out the values of God's kingdom in the way we live wherever we live. We must use the platform that God has given us and use the influence we have to enhance his reputation. You are my witnesses, says the Lord. Your influence is a secret strength it has the power to impact the lives of others for good and or for bad. Influence, by and large, is the message that we are transmitting to others. We can either inspire or discourage. We can Enlighten or darken? And so in order to talk about influence, we must first of all talk about reputation. Reputation is the key. And you and I are the CEO of that company. As you build trust, you increase influence. So reputation is the position one occupies or the standing that one has in the opinion of others. People buy into people. 
before they buy into the product. That's why reputation is so important. It's the image that others hold when your name is remembered. Right? Now, I'm not going to throw out any names this morning (laughs) so that your mind could get active. But if we were to throw out our name, your mind would get active. It, It would conjure up really what their reputation is in your perception. Reputation has a lot to do with the measure of your influence. It by and large equals your testimony. And so Proverbs 22 and says that a good reputation is rather to be desired than riches. It has value. So much so that he says you don't want to sell your good reputation or defame it in search of the temporary things. To get rich and all those things that might join in that, on that wagon. So it's a powerful tool, but it's very fragile. It takes a long time to build, but a short time to destroy. Reputation is so important in our life, in the kingdom, in the church, is that you will notice that the Apostle Paul and even the disciples in Acts chapter 6, when they were going to make decisions regarding people who are going to have, you know, office of power and influence, the first thing they say, he says about, you need to check their reputation. Yeah. Titus, Apostle Paul, and when he writes to Timothy, your reputation. The first thing he says you want to consider is the reputation. In the book of Acts, they're just going to be serving tables. They're going to take care of the, the widows that have been neglected. And so the first thing he says, look out among you men with Reputation. And then he begins to 
define some of that arenas that's necessary. You know what I mean? In serving tables in God's house. Reputation, yes. With reputation, you don't need position. Position can enhance your influence. But you can have position without reputation, and it is powerless when it comes to influence. It may not be powerless when it comes to position, which operates in with authority, but the influence is more connected to your reputation. A good reputation can rescue you. You could, there could be a accusation. There could be a report. And hopefully it's false. (laughs) But if you have a good reputation, there will be the witnesses of that good reputation that can step up to the plate and annul the bad report. So reputation is beneficial not only in your testimony to others, but it is valuable to your life and to your living. Because it's not uncommon for the enemy who is a wolf, who is sly as a fox, And bold as a lion to try and ruin your reputation. It's one thing to try for your reputation to be ruined from the outside, but it's an altogether thing for it to be ruined from the inside. You and I are the CEOs of our reputation. Amen? Yes. And so then we move to the word influence again. Influence is not given, it is earned. And with Christians, our definition of influence would be where it is the intersecting of faith and life. Wherein we transform people who in turn are effective in transforming society. 
you have influence in your life is also important. Because as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens the countenance of another man. It will determine your edge. Not only your edge, but where you use your edge. That influence that has the ability to affect someone's future. So influence is leadership without position. That definition of position, of course, of having some office that gives a definition all on its own. Now, of course, when you have the two married together, you know what I mean, your influence becomes stronger but it also becomes more responsible or needs more responsibility. Amen? Hallelujah. The, the important thing is that there's no credibility gap between what you say and what they see. <coughs> Amen? Amen? To such a point that our testimony for Christ becomes convincing. Like, very simple way would be, how about, this wonderful life in Christ is always coming from a face that's frowning. Jesus is so wonderful. And yet... All you hear is negativism. That's a credibility gap. Yes. There's a poem. And I'll read it to you this morning regarding influence. The slightest breeze that ever blew. Some tender grass has wavered. The smallest life I ever knew. Some other life has flavored. We cannot live our lives alone, but for others' lives we touch. Are either strengthened by our own or weakened just as much. Yes, influence is the message that we transmit to others. Being a faithful presence, a presence of God 
in society. Living out the values of God's kingdom. Because our job is to influence them for Christ and to Christ. Absolutely. You are the salt of the earth. And we know the general overarching views of of salt. But it's about building and maintaining a godly influence. Yes, a godly influence. To not contaminate that influence with worldliness. Do not love the world nor the things of the world. For if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Goes on to express and walk those arenas and those corridors of the world. You see, salt in Jesus' day would go bad because of impurities in it. And when it would go bad, it was good for nothing. But yet, it was also in its good state so valuable that they fought wars over it. Yes. So, when John writes this about the love of the world, you know, by and large, I think he's saying, are you so saturated with the inconsistencies of worldliness and the permission of evil that you're no longer effective? That's some tough words. But you take that up with the author. (laughs) And not with me, all right. You have a pulpit. A life pulpit. In which you are... To be salt and light. Now in that pulpit... First of all, of salt. Salt is only effective when it comes into contact. It is not effective unless there is contact. It's very important to get the balance between being in the world but not of the world. How do we stay out of the world? Well, some of those things that he says, he lists some works of darkness. Disproportionately, rioting and drunkenness, 
profanity and filthiness and vulgarity, strife and envy, and then, of course, lust. What is lust? Let me help to clarify that. Lust is when you go after something with the intention of attaining it or conquering it. It is not just, you know what I mean, this old mind up here that, you know, it plays a lot of reels. It does. But when you pursue it with the intent and begin to, you know, the object is is to practice and to participate. Participate in it. So stay away from lust. You are the light of the world. God does not call us to curse the darkness, but to light a candle. Using your gift of influence that God has given you. Yes, your life is a pulpit. The passage of scripture that we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 you are our epistle or you are a letter you are the epistle of Christ what's in your letter what are they reading The beauty of an epistle or in a letter is that its intent is to convey the expression of the author and its signature of the author. Christ's epistle. So while your reputation and my reputation is very important. Our reputation is about his reputation. Yeah. Help me, Jesus. (laughs) Help me, Holy Spirit. (laughs) Oh, bless the name of the Lord. Paul said in Romans chapter 14, no one lives to himself and no one dies to himself. Your world is much bigger. Yes. We don't necessarily have these arenas today so much, but Paul had them in his day. And he said, if food makes my brother stumble, I will not... Again, eat meat lest I make my brother stumble. In other words, in, the, in their, his presence, in the presence of that individual, I will be conscious of my brother. All of these things can be, you can drive them into the ditch, don't get me wrong. 
to, to have the kind of influence that is needed, we must live under the influence. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. So, it has a lot to do with our relationship. It's the spirit and the bottle. What's the bottle for? The spirit. Thank you, Jesus. So you build your reputation, and then you must maintain that reputation. Reputation is what gives you the right to speak into people's lives. The reason Jesus was able to speak into people's lives is because the crowd followed him. They followed him, thus telling him, tell us, speak to us. I heard about your reputation. And now I've come to find out about it myself. Makes sense, doesn't it? Who are you? Has a lot to do. Reputation and influence. You get to speak into people's lives. You get to influence them. In direct proportion to what they view you as far as your reputation to them. If we're going to give godly influence, it stands to reason that we must be godly. Give a little bit of praise this morning. I don't want you falling asleep with you. <laughs> yeah. If you're going to be of godly influence, then it stands to reason that you got to be godly. The Apostle Paul gives us some areas and arenas of influence. And he speaks to the young people. And he says, young people, you 
can influence other believers. He doesn't let us, because we're young, to get off the hook. Yeah. Let no man despise your youth, but be an example to the believers. And then he gives us scenarios of how to be effective. And he says, in your word. Words are really powerful, aren't they? In conduct and love and in the type of spirit that you have. Your faith and then in your purity. It's not legalism, is it? No. It's influence. We are not just to influence outside the church. We're to influence inside the church. See that no one fails of the grace of God. He's talking about someone that's, you know what I mean, and has already received the grace of God, but somehow that, you know, what grace is all about is, you know, missing in their lives whether it has happened because of circumstances, you know, trials, difficulties, a, a lot of things. And people start to give up, their faith start to give up, and their confession start to give up in, in those arenas that, that, you know, that, that give life to the soul and the spirit. And we have to come alongside of them. And we got to find a way to nurture. Thank you, Jesus. Then he says, for the young people, he says, there's going to be opponents in your life. Everybody is not going to be on the same page as you. They're not going to believe everything that you believe. You'll run into opposition. But he said that our influence and our reputation can be so powerful and so strong and so convincing that the eventual outcome is that they're ashamed that they ever confronted you. Having nothing evil to say of you. <laughs> In other words, what they say is false. See, they said a lot of things about Jesus to get him crucified, but it was false. But he's saying that there is there's no credibility. Your life is, isn't what they say it is. Of course, we know when we read the scripture how that, 
how family can have influence upon generations and generations to generations. Yes. We've been called to penetrate society. Not withdraw from society. I asked my musicians and worship team to come. The, as Christians, as believers, we must not leave the public systems. This is not about politics. This is about Salt and light. Yes. Because it's the moral values that give influence into that arena. And when we leave that arena, the Christian influence leaves also. The absence of Christians... In those arenas is the absence of righteousness. Amen. Yes. God says, I want you to be there. But make sure or work so that your reputation, your salt has some heavenly taste to it. Yeah, heavenly taste. I believe, I really believe, church, that, you know, God's always ready to move and always is moving. But in every move and every wave of God, he gets his people ready. So that we can be more effective. Absolutely. Let me do just a couple references to influences, and then I'll close with a, an amazing, I think, impacting story. We've seen negative influences, and we see it in the 10 spies. The influence of 10 men cost the lives and the future potential of several hundred thousand people. In Jesus' day with the chief priests and the scribes, they not only rejected Christ, 
but they influenced the whole nation to turn its back on God. What do you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, that's not you, that's them, okay? So you're off the hook this morning. <laughs> For you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For you neither go in yourself, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. Talk about influence. Yeah. And we talked about our spiritual, you know, doors last week and gates and gatekeepers. But then we have, we have Daniel and the three Huber children. You know their great story. They ended up having so much influence that it changed an evil king and an evil kingdom to good. Now all of us don't have that type of platform. But influence is powerful. Let me rephrase that. Godly influence is powerful. Yes. The power of influence. Now I'm going to close with this. There's the story of a young prophet and an old prophet found in 1 Kings 13. This young prophet was sent to prophesy to King Jeroboam. And in the prophecy, there was a rejection of the king and there was a judgment of God and then there was the miracle of mercy of God. And the king was so impressed that he invited the young prophet back to his place. To the palace. But the young prophet had received a word from the Lord that he was not supposed to go any place but back home. So as this young prophet starts for home, this old prophet has, heard, has learned and heard about the exploit and the details of what had taken place. And so he meets the young prophet and he invites him back to his place. We're talking about influence. And the young man says to 
the old prophet the same thing he said to the king. But rather than the old prophet encouraging the young prophet to just obey and keep the word of the Lord, somehow he has a ulterior motive. We can only surmise what that might have been. But we know human nature, whether it was jealousy, whether it was he was miffed at God because he was overlooked. Why didn't he get the call to go to the king and prophesy? I don't know. But yet, this older prophet's influence wiped the future life of that young prophet out. And you might say this morning, Pastor, that's too extreme. Well, there are some extreme things. It's not necessarily that it's an everyday occurrence. But somehow the old prophet used his influence to get what he wanted, even though he was leading the next generation into disobedience. Oh, yes. His influence destroyed the young man's life. We must encourage the young generation to follow the Lord. Amen? Hallelujah. We must not, you know what I mean, lift up our visitation over what God's visitation is going to be for them. We must encourage their visitation their future, their prophetic word. Hallelujah. God is not bypassing. God is raising up. He is not displacing. No. He is just placing. Somebody give the Lord a praise this morning. Oh, yes. It was John the Baptist that recognized the transitions. He said, I must decrease that he might increase. It is not, it is not, you know, a demotion. Not at all. It is a platform. A platform. Oh, hallelujah. Yes. Influence lives on after you're gone. It lives on after you're gone. 
And that's the inheritance that needs to be priority is the inheritance of faith. The inheritance of living for God. Yes. We will not, by God's grace, stop people from going into their destiny. And I know you wouldn't. It is a sad story that his future was ended. In this case, as you stand with me this morning, is it? Who might it be that God has sent you to? Or is sending you to? What is the platform that God has given you? It was John that said this. He said, I've called you, young man, because you're strong. The best time to get the job done is when your body is young. <laughs> Absolutely. In the best time to give advice is when you get some experience. Somebody give the Lord a praise. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. I have called you young men because you're strong. And I have called you old man because you have known me from the beginning. So the young need to have an ear for the advice of the experienced. And the old need to embrace the young for the power of their bodies. <laughs> Amen. Absolutely. It's very difficult getting stuff done if your body doesn't cooperate. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so our roles change but the mission is still the same amen and the mission is his reputation that is enforced by our 
reputation. You are a letter. Not to everybody, but to your sphere and your platform where God has placed you. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Now, this is a pretty tough one, but here, just in case, if you want to serve God for your own soul, will you serve him for those who you will influence by your life? Will you serve it? up for somebody else. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, let us sing something. <laughs> you know I always close this way so you, you know me like a book, right? <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. A good name is better to be chosen than great Riches doesn't mean you can't have both, but a good name will carry you further than great riches. You can undo a poor reputation. Peter undid his poor reputation. Mark John undid his poor reputation. Judas caved and took his life rather than recovering his reputation. At least we can gather that from him. We know there's a lot of, a lot of particulars with regard to that. But you can. You can. Amen. Father, this morning, we surrender our lives, our living. And I thank you for the honorable reputation of every one here. Lord, in my eyes, and I am confident even in the eyes of those, God, in whom they influence, they've had a positive influence. God, but we want to enhance your reputation. We want to have our saltiness. God, not to have lost its effectiveness in our light that we're not going to put a, an umbrella over it or shade over it. But we're going to be like that city that's shown on a hill. That we are like that Jerusalem that stood there and had the image and the reflection, the testimony of Jehovah God. 
in Jesus' name. As you go, just obey the Holy Spirit. He's right there, His voice, you know what I mean? He'll give you the wisdom, He'll give you the words, He'll give you the way, He'll give you everything. If you just stop long enough, amen, and let Him direct your path. God bless you. Go with God. He's going with you.